So I want to talk a little bit about this idea of carrying our goodness forward. And I'm going to talk first about two of the Buddha's discourses. They're both from the numerical discourses, the Anguttara Nikaya. And you might be familiar with them. I don't know. The first one is from the book of Elevens. And in um, Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation, I think it's called Volition. And in Bhante Sujato's translation, it calls, it's called Making a Wish. So we'll look at how that, um, how you might see both of those in this, <coughs> in this discourse, excuse me. So the Buddha starts by saying that an ethical person, so someone who's keeping the five precepts, or at least that's where it starts. An ethical person who has fulfilled ethical conduct need not make the wish May I have no regrets. It's just natural that if we have ethical conduct, we don't have regrets. And if we don't have regrets, he said, we don't have to make the wish, may I feel joy. And here the Pali word is pamoja, a kind of happiness, um, joy in in what's um, in our life. And he said it's natural that this joy springs up in the mind when we don't have regrets. And then he says, when you feel pamoja, when you feel joy, You don't have to wish, may I experience rapture, PT, you know, um, that kind of spiritual joy and happiness that infuses the mind with this uplift, this spiritual pleasure. And of course, this is PT is one of the factors of of samadhi or jhana. And it really is an indication when we experience it to that we are that we're on the right track and becoming calm and concentrated. But it it starts, it comes naturally when we experience when we when we have these other qualities coming up. And when the mind is full of rapture, we don't have to make the wish May my body become tranquil. The tranquility of the body or the poly is pasadi. It's only natural that our body becomes tranquil when we have a mind full of rapture. And when the body is tranquil, we don't have to have the wish, may I feel bliss. So another level in poly is sukha. 
also oftentimes translated as happiness, but it's a spiritual happiness. It just comes naturally when we feel tranquility. And when we feel bliss, it, we don't have to make the wish, may my mind be immersed in samadhi. It just happens naturally. So this is this one of the sequences or the way that Buddha talks about how we move from something we can choose, like how to be ethical, keep the precepts. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, the details, but everyone who comes to PFOD knows this pretty well, I think. But it's, it's like, it's movement from those choices to deep meditation, to samadhi. So in some way, the Buddha is saying it, it isn't about trying hard in a certain way. It's about letting the process unfold based upon diligent ethical conduct. And then when, when um, he gets to this point where he's talking about samadhi, so this sequence going up of, of this joy and rapture and bliss and tranquility and bliss <clears throat> leading to this lucid calm or deep stillness. And then the next thing that happens naturally without our having to wish for it is that we know and see things as they are. And this, um, the Pali is yata bhutanjanati pasati. It's really, you're, you're realizing, seeing nature, the nature of reality. When that happens, we don't have to wish to become disillusioned with the world, it naturally happens. We naturally experience nibbida. It's like, ah, this doesn't compare. This is never satisfying. And it's okay. Um, when we are disillusioned, we don't have to wish to become dispassionate. It just naturally happens. So that kind of, you know, from the Buddhist perspective, passion for the world is suffering. And when we want to be free from suffering, this is the natural sequence that takes place. When you're dispassionate, you don't have to wish may I realize knowledge and vision of freedom? May I realize the Bhagavan? It just happens. So you kind of think, well, if we're all that easy, why aren't we all fully enlightened already? <laughs> and I think the, the message the Buddha is giving here is, yes, and Keep letting go into it, letting go into it so that we're not 
so that we recognize the value of that goodness, choices we make, and we see that we can let go of regrets if we're still carrying those. We can let them go. And we can, with patience, with, with kindness, with generosity in our heart for ourselves, we can experience these levels of happiness and, and joy. Letting this process unfold naturally. I'm going to give you plenty of chance to ask questions about this. So one of the important aspects of this is to really look deeply into what that ethical conduct is, what is sila. And a lot of the time we talk about it as the five precepts, and that's an important place to start, of course. The Buddha often talked about this in terms of 10, 10 things that are good, or 10 things that are not good. So there's this very short discourse on Gutra Nikaya. It's in the chapter of the Book of Tens, number 178. And he says, and it's called Good. And he says, I'll teach you what is good and what is not good. And, they, and then he says, as you might expect, killing living beings, this is not good. Um, but tonight we're focusing on the good. So let's go to the other side. When we avoid killing, when we carefully care for our living beings to avoid harming them, to avoid killing them, this is good. When we avoid taking anything that isn't meant for us, when we avoid using our sexual energy in a way that harms anyone or ourselves, when we avoid speech that's false or divisive or harsh or nonsensical, this is good. And then contentment, goodwill, and right view. So these 10 things are talked about in literally hundreds of suttas that the Buddha gave. And they, it's important, I think, to look uh, deeply into how this shows up in our life. How in this past year we've experienced good, both from in our own behavior and in the behavior of others and what it's meant to us. And especially when we look at that last one, right view, there are so many layers to it. You know, right view, you know, seeing natural, uh, um, the way things actually are, seeing things as they actually are, realizing that what we do is important, it has consequences, you know, those kinds of aspects of right view. But it also has to do with 
Um, Any time that um, we're inspiring and encouraging ourselves or others to do what's good, to be happy, to be kind, to be generous. When we, you know, think about how we've um, lived our life this past year, you know, really look at the ways in which you've avoided killing, harming, taking, you know, the ways in which we've made an effort to be generous and kind and fair in our dealings with people. Think about the the ways in which we've treated each other with respect. People have treated us with respect. Not, you know, efforts to not take advantage of people. All the different ways that we use our our speech being truthful and 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 really listening to each other when when we suspect something not jumping to conclusions but asking someone you know if what we suspect is true or we hear somebody say something about someone else and then we check it out and make sure like the Buddha always did. He never assumed that what he was being told was true. He'd ask the person, he'd talk to them. And this is part of part of um, how we create good. When we have a, a problem with, you know, looking at this year, when are the times when we've avoided a, an argument in a way that's wholesome, not shoving something under the rug, but but really listening to each other, trying to understand, get into that person's point of view and see if we can really come to some kind of understanding with one another. When we come to any situation with a benevolent attitude, this is part of the goodness that we have, the goodness that we share. And when we, when we reflect on the year, I know there have probably been many challenges. And if we look at the way we've met those challenges, we bring, bring to mind the ways in which we've, we've brought goodness into these difficult situations or other people have. And so much of the time when there are difficulties and crises, we see the good, the best coming out in people. And so if we, I feel like if we reflect on this, if we hold those moments in mind and we um, let go of the rest, you know, forgive. Hold in mind when it's been possible to forgive. And when we don't do these things, then what happens next? What did we do then? You know, the how did we recover? This is also goodness. We don't do it right all the time and we don't need to dwell on that. 
but to come back to, but then we changed what we were doing. And if we have something happening that isn't good in our life, we can make that change now. It starts with a change of mind, like how to, how to work with this in a way that we really move it from what's not good to good. This goes, you know, when we, when we think about right view and we think about um, goodness, it's, of course, uh, goes through various layers. It's not just what we're experiencing, obviously, on the outside, but what's really in our mind when we're having um, negativity about people. How can we work with that in a way that brings good forward? How do we give people the benefit of the doubt? and look for the beauty in what they're offering in the world. So I want us to reflect on this for ourselves, for our own um, you know, experience of this year. I know you might well imagine from my life, I feel like there are constant blessings, people, people coming who need help, who find it in the Buddhist teachings, um, people who come who want to spend their life, um, you know, living as monks or nuns, and then they make steps towards doing that. And along that path, there are challenges, but they're also you know, growing and benefiting from that experience. I mean, at our hermitage, we've had a lot of kind of natural physical issues with you know, the environment. It's a kind of a rough, more kind of rustic kind of way to live um, where the elements are constantly presenting challenges. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, well, okay, let's look at how we've met them. Let's look at the fact that, yeah, we keep fixing things <laughs> and we keep making things better little by little. And that it's natural, and we all know this, that these challenges come just as part of our human life. Continual. Look at our endurance and, and recognize that we have it that we have patience. We've exhibited that in this year. For sure, we're still wearing masks. There's a lot of patience there. Kindness and generosity towards others. When we think about right view, one of the ways we can tell whether or not we're abiding in it is our state of mind. If we're suffering, there's some kind of element of wrong view there that we can then really investigate and understand, you know, where's that clinging?
I know that this community has really experienced tremendous blessings this year, keeping this hall, um, even though we've got a pandemic and it hasn't been possible to make use of it in the same way, the community is still thriving. And when we, when we notice um, goodness in our lives, of course, so much of it is about our friendships the connections we have with other people and the good that they bring into our lives and what we bring into theirs. That's certainly true, um, I think, for all of us. When, we think about, when I think about the goodness in my life, I also think about the tremendous benefit of living in a society where there's so much support. You know, it's, it's okay to walk on the street at night here, mostly. There are a lot of places where you can't do that. There's, you know, a fire department. Yeah, we have a lot of fire danger, but we also have first responders who have been doing an amazing job. We have so much gratitude towards them and so many people who have reached out during the fires to help people who've lost their homes. It's, it's incredibly beautiful to see that. And, you know, there are a lot of other things in our society, our libraries, you know, our school systems, our, our, the, the kind of social support that we have, and we can always improve it, make things, um, more safe, more secure, but it's never going to be completely safe and secure. It's not the way in, in, this, in this world, in this samsara. I'd like you to take a moment to think about, think of something, some way in which goodness showed up in your life this year. Whether it was something you did, something someone else did, or something you realized. Any of those things that are wholesome and, and naturally bring about good results. And I'm interested, does anyone have something they'd be willing to share? We moved to a new residence that's been just amazing. From just uh, sharing a space with other people. That was uh, kind of stressful. So that's been a big blessing in my life this year, uh, a good home refuge yeah. and a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah, for me too. I mean, I talked about the challenges at our place, but to have that environment with these beautiful redwood trees and the 
river, the, the creek running through it and, and um, you know, good neighbors around that you could depend on that come to help. And someone sent me a message the other day, if you have any kind of emergency, just call me, I'll be there. Yeah, thank you. And um, I just think of uh, I just think of all of the uh, that I have in my life and all of the trauma that I've been experiencing in the pandemic. Just saying you just all the Kamiamuta. It's so pervasive. And it's easy to forget how we feel that it's you know, so Yeah. Yeah. Can you can everybody hear? Can you hear uh, at home? No. Okay. Sorry. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> so Linda was just sharing that the great blessing, one of the wonderful sources of goodness has been all the Kalyana Mita in her life. And the people that, you know, she's been learning from and all of the Dhamma that's come through even during the pandemic, all of these people that she's been able to connect with and share Dhamma with. And what is your name? Alexandra. Alexandra. Um, and what I heard you say was about having your home, your place to live, and it being safe and supportive. Yeah. And can you hear me okay? Yeah, okay, well, I'll repeat things. And Jocelyn, you wanted to say something? So keeping a connection with, was it one friend every week or different friends every week? The same friend. Keeping an uh, ongoing weekly meetings with a friend that kept going all year and part of last year and just having that, that source of goodness and support. Yeah, thank you, Justin. Anyone else want to say anything? Yes, Alistair. I'll just share with you that I were back in Poland for a couple of weeks in my father's care home. I'm from Sally's house, and so we had to help my brother do that. It was really touching to see just the changes. I mean, my brother in various over job when he was working and fired around that is just oh patience and imagine he's enjoying that and then sit out the house and move and stuff and pieces out and she's like so I think I should get that. No, 
I can't zoom back on Galal. Let me take this. No, I said, let me take this. <laughs> and uh, and watching her after, and watching her, you know, be aware of what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, nice. So I, I wish you could hear Alistair tell his own story because it was very touching. Um, he and Sakula went back to Scotland for a couple of weeks because his father is now in a care home and it was time to get the house that he had ready to sell. You can correct me, Alistair, if I get any of this wrong. But um, he and, and his brother was there. And one of the things that was so amazing was to see, for Alistair to see his brother now retired and having more time and how he treated their father and how patient he was and kind. And that was a real joy to witness that kind of change. And then also when they were moving things out of the house and they're carrying things and, you know, working and um, Alistair's niece uh, sees that the lifting is, was it you or your brother? Me. You, you were trying to lift, you were going to lift something, lift a, chest, yeah. a chest. And she came over and she said, no, let me take care of that. And, and at first, it's kind of like, well, how are you going to do this? But then to really notice this is a young woman who's an avid rock climber. And she's really got the ability to pick this up and walk away with it. <laughs> and there she goes. And he said then the whole day, she just noticing how she would watch to see what was needed and come in and help. And just really a lovely a lovely time, lovely goodness. Anybody else want to share anything? Yes. I've just been amazed this year, these past two years during the pandemic, how many teachers like you and so many others opened their sanghas on Zoom or offered free workshops that I would never you're going to have to remind me of your name. It's Lisa. Lisa, thank you. Well, Lisa was talking about how wonderful it's been to have the classes on Zoom and to be able, all these different Dhamma offerings that have been available, even though we're in such a, you know, state of isolation with the pandemic. And uh, that has been wonderful. And so many things recorded. I'm going back over a series of Ajahn Brahmali, 49 YouTube videos. <laughs> and I, you know, it's like, I know when I get to the end, I've got to wish it wasn't over. <laughs> And um, you might look that one up. It's, he's, what is it? It's, yeah, I just searched Ajahn Brahmali Sutta class, but he's doing this, he's do, offering a retreat in um, 
And he was talking, talks about the life of the Buddha, and then he talks about Anapanasati, and, you know, just, um, if you find something on YouTube with 49 pieces, and it's Ajahn Ramali, I recommend you try it out. He's got a lot of, a lot of knowledge and wisdom about the suttas and the languages and the, um, um, what do I want to say, the authenticity of the suttas. And I can, I'm just echoing, really, it's just so wonderful to have that. I mean, here we have scholars and, um, yeah, you know, and uh, people with deep practice in the Dhamma and we can, you know, just bring that up on the computer and listen while you wash the dishes. I mean, what could be better than that? <laughs> Ramali? Yeah. Um, B-R-A-H-M-A-L-I, I think it's like Brahm, A-L-I, and he lives, he, he's been living with Ajahn Brahm at, at Ajahn Brahm's monastery for a long time, and years ago, I'm a pretty, I'm, um, I often listen to Ajahn Brahm also, and, um, and back in the day when Ajahn Bramali first started to um, give talks, I'd, I'd search or I'd find this and I'd go, oh, I, didn't, I want Ajahn Bram. And then I started listening to Ajahn Bramali and wow, I'm a big fan now. <laughs> I've been for years already, but it's quite wonderful. Anyone, anyone else want to say anything? I would just I would just say this whole online thing has been excellent for me, you know, not just the teaching, but also connecting with other um, Dhamma practitioners all over the place. I feel like I have a whole like the circle of Kalyanamita has grown to, from people all over the place that I never would have met these people. And I may never actually meet them in person ever, but it just feels really, really good to me. Yes. Um, and and um, I guess I'm one of the few people who really likes Zoom. I like Zoom a lot. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Thank you, Marilyn. Yeah, we had the blessing of our our newest member of our monastic community came to us from Mexico via Zoom. And she's been online with us. Many of you know her name um, is Andy. Now we call her Sarana. She's been, she's taken the eight precepts on her darker robes. And yeah, Zoom has been quite amazing. Any other stories you'd like to share? Thoughts? How has your um, social contact been in person with people? Blessings been coming or goodness showing up in that way. How about your banking institution? <laughs> your insurance company? <laughs> Actually, I really love my insurance company. They send out such beautiful things to encourage people to take care of their health. You can tell they care. Oh, I'm alone so in this. No. <laughs> Oh, I, the, the job I've got 
um, part of it is helping people who are renting tools for a project. And sometimes they're not quite sure what they want. But uh, the beauty of it is it's like seven minutes. I get to help somebody in seven minutes. I don't know them before. Yeah. I don't know them mm -hmm. And this whole but for me, but it's unentangled presence, right? I have no entanglement to this person, and I can help them. If they're in a hurry or frustration, I can bother, I can work with that. And so it's really fun to be able to think, okay, three period of time, and they can smile at me, carry their tool out, and I upset their expectations so they'll be happy with their work, and then it's done. Yeah. Uh, so that's been a unexpected pleasure. So Alistair is sharing about his 20 to 30 brief interactions in a day at work with people who may be frustrated or uh, rushed or whatever, but they want to rent some kind of tool and he's, his job is to help them know what to do and um, what to get. And he said in seven minutes, he can, you know, help them, help them. And, and it feels so great. And he doesn't have to worry, no entanglement. They, he didn't know them before and he doesn't know them after, but he's <laughs> able to help them in seven minutes. And it's, it's a lovely feeling. Um, I know, you know, given what we've been doing, construction, and um, I have Chitananda, who lives with me, says that her her real home is Home Depot because, <laughs> or you know, you know, and it's and it's so great when people help us. I mean, I just feel so good about it. Um, People have helped us sort out some pretty gnarly problems. And it's really sweet. <laughs>